It's the most popular sport on the planet, with an estimated 4 billion fans worldwide. But not everybody grew up watching or playing soccer, particularly here in the U.S. I sure didn't. I made fun of soccer, called it boring, hard to follow, and not as entertaining as football, basketball, or baseball. But thanks to some basic education about the game and a few viewings of English Premier League matches, I realized I had been wrong all those years, and I became hooked. It's a far more compelling sport to watch than I used to think. Tense, exciting, and when played by the great ones, graceful and elegant. This show is for anybody who's curious why so many people love this game. It's for new fans of the European club teams looking for analysis that doesn't get too far into the weeds because, frankly, we wouldn't know how to be that in-depth. It's for anybody who wants to join us on our journey of getting to know better the most popular sport in the world. We'll talk about the game itself, the rules, the terminology, the strategy, and we'll talk about the top club soccer league in the world, the English Premier League, its teams, its history, its players, each week's games, all of it. We're kind of learning as we go here, but we're hoping you'll share that experience with us and come along for the ride. This is Hands Off Those Balls. Well, I have lots to be thankful for this Thanksgiving week. I have my health. I have a roof over my head. Looks like the early trials for uh, some covid vaccines are performing pretty well and Tottenham Hotspur are in first place in the Premier League for the first time since 2014 albeit on goal differential but hey first place is first place welcome to another edition of hands off those balls my name is Mike I am joined as always by Jared Jared how you doing this week I'm doing good, Mike, and I, I take it you're wearing the your Spurs jersey. Because I, am in, I am indeed wearing my Spurs jersey in celebration of their uh, their first place position. I, uh, I immediately took a screenshot of the table as soon as the game went final and shared it on Facebook because I was so happy uh, to see that and also figured it would probably be short-lived. Um, <laughs> t- to be clear... With Liverpool's win this weekend, they have the same 20 points that Spurs have, but Spurs have uh, the advantage on goal differential. So, for the moment, Tottenham Hotspur are in first place in the Premier League, and I couldn't be happier about it. So it, It's funny. I, I've i seen the logo a lot, but I don't think I've ever seen it this up close. I knew it was a rooster on a ball, but that actually looks like a basketball. Well, right? that's just it. The old-timey soccer ball has was the, the laces uh and the old timey soccer ball on on this logo has those laces and and i don't know uh if they really played with a ball that had how the heck how do you kick that exactly thing? that's gonna hurt you know <laughs> it's gonna hurt it's gonna it's not gonna roll right it's gonna uh not hold a straight line so i i don't know i wasn't around for early early 20th century late 19th century soccer so uh, what do I know? Maybe it's all just uh, the aesthetics of it, that it looks kind of cool, um, that it's, it's a little bit easier to pick up depth when you got laces on the ball. Uh, that is above my pay grade. I don't know. But all I know is Spurs are in first, so end the season now, I say. Um, but I don't get to make the rules. So uh, first thing I wanted to mention this week is anybody who's a, uh, a diehard Premier League fan as well as a diehard hands-off-those-balls fan, 
as my dog is barking in the background, uh, probably picked up on the fact that uh, I had mentioned last week that there were going to be, I think, six matches all shoehorned into the Saturday morning at, I think, 10 o'clock time slot, uh, and that they wouldn't be sequential one match after another like they have been for uh, the early part of the season. And it looks like Wolves just scored a goal, and that looked like Neto who did it. Um, so anyway, we're watching the uh, Wolves-Southampton match right now, and Wolves just equalized in the 75th minute. So anyway, um, it looked like all these games were going to be shoehorned into one time slot, and you wouldn't be able to watch all of them at the same time. But as it turns out, they did you know, I'll use the uh, the American term. They flexed the games, I suppose, and and put them in that more traditional one match after another. Uh, so made it much easier to watch uh, all ten matches this week. So yeah, that was shot by Jimenez that bounces off the uh, left woodwork right uh, into uh, Neto's foot and gets his second goal of the season. So. Oh, Good great. thing he's on our bench. Yeah, but at least Potence <laughs> wasn't involved, right? <laughs> Potence wasn't involved because our opponent has Potence. So this this match does have some uh, important fantasy implications that we'll talk about in more detail later. Okay, so one thing I wanted to talk about uh, is that a story came out regarding Tottenham Hotspur not just being first place in the table, but also not having the best finances in the Premier League. What I mean is, uh, I guess every year the team's got to release their books and Spurs books came out to show that this year, unlike last year, they are suffering a rather large financial hit thanks to COVID, which I'm sure doesn't, isn't unique to Spurs, that plenty of teams are suffering these hits. But just to uh, uh, put some, some detail on it, in fiscal year 20, 2019, which would have ended at the end of June 2020, or correction, June 2019, Spurs enjoyed a $91.8 million profit. And this is in dollars, these numbers. In fiscal year 2020, ending in June of this year, Spurs have suffered an $85.5 million loss. And it looks like that the big reason that's happening, uh, again, doubtful that it's unique to Spurs, but there, there is one aspect to Spurs' situation um, that that is not the norm. Um, Spurs rely to a great extent on ticket sales for their revenue. Uh, not just ticket sales for Premier League matches, but also um, they were hosting NFL games there. You may recall last NFL season, if you're a football fan, that Tottenham Hotspur Stadium was the site of one of those London football games that we see here at like 9 in the morning. Um, that was at Spurs home stadium. Um, you would have concerts. It's, you know, it's just like any other big stadium that we have here. You know, Jerry World would, would be hosting concerts down in Dallas. Um, you know, they host concerts at the Meadowlands. Um, looks like 
Jimenez just headed in a free kick, but he was offsides, so nothing doing there. Anyway, um, so Spurs are losing money because they're not selling tickets. They're not getting the, the sort of um, uh, non-Premier League business at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium that they otherwise would have if not for uh, COVID-19 keeping everybody at home. So they're losing a lot of money. Uh, in fact, the estimate for fiscal year 2021 that um, you know we're in right now and would be ending next June, uh, the estimate from their bookkeepers is that they could be losing as much as 150 million pounds, this number's in pounds, not dollars, uh, in revenue simply because um, they're not having all these events at the stadium. You got to remember, this was a 1.2 billion, with a B, uh, pound enterprise, this uh, building of the stadium. And it's only been there for a couple of years. And it was financed by Spurs dollars, but also by long-term debt. So they, they put a lot of their own hide into this stadium with the understanding and expectation that they were going to be selling tickets to all manner of events not just um, Premier League um, they also you know took out loans that are going to be due and they don't have anybody they don't have any fannies in the seats so uh, you do have to to wonder is this going to be the sort of hit that makes it difficult for a team like Spurs to sign players down the road you know, what, what sort of real world on the field, maybe those, that might be an oxymoron, but what sort of actual effect on their soccer play is something like this going to have? Because it, it really can have an effect um, because of the things we've discussed in previous episodes about the financial fair play regulations and the, the effect that not making as much money through ticket sales and the like can have on your ability to sign players. I, I would add, this might be a little bit too late, but I did read a report that they are going to start a plan to allow fans back in EPL Stadium starting in December. So uh, I'll well, believe it when yeah. I see it, given some of the you know trend lines you're seeing on, on COVID. Now, again, as mentioned a few moments ago, um, looks like we've got some real promising vaccines in the works, but, you know, those have to be distributed. It's not like you develop a vaccine and then boom, here's billions of doses and the line forms here at the lab door. I mean, it's a whole process to get the the individual vials of the vaccine manufactured and then distributed. And, uh, you know, there's some people out there who may not be so willing to volunteer to get the shot. And so there'll be some education that would be necessary. So um, that that's not something that, that we can just achieve overnight, but it, it's, it's certainly promising. Uh, and fingers crossed that we will have fans in the stands soon. I, I, I find December to be optimistic, ambitious, but uh, remains to be seen. So, you know, who knows what effect Spurs books are going to have on their ability to sign other players. Meanwhile, I, I felt inclined to share a headline with you all that I just recently saw on ESPN.com uh, and sort of juxtapose it with what we just said about Spurs and their books. Quote, Lionel Messi leaving Barcelona for Man City, a real prospect 
after Pep Guardiola's new contract. So let's... They're not having any trouble, it sounds like. <laughs> well, who knows? I Last time I checked, they didn't have any fannies at the stands at the Etihad either. So where's Man City getting all this money? So, All right, first of all, let's unpack this. So first of all, Pep Guardiola just signed a new contract. So money out the door to Pep Guardiola. I'm not faulting them for that. He's a tremendous manager. and That's be, a good signing. They'd yeah. be fools to let him go. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying, money out the door. Lionel Messi is probably the greatest soccer player to ever play the game, and he currently makes on base salary alone um, $92 million uh, per year. So he wouldn't be cheap. Um, the, The news that we had discussed a few weeks ago about Messi and possibly going to to Man City. Uh, we discussed that that whole story kind of dried up. You, to review, uh, Messi was talking about leaving Barcelona, but he actually still had another year on his contract, and Barcelona uh, told Messi, well, okay, you can leave, but uh, we're going to be owed $700 million. Don't ask me. Yeah. You and I are in the wrong professions, Jared. <laughs> There's contracts out there where uh, if you if you terminate them, you know, six months early, it's a seven hundred million dollar. They were calling it escape clause. Um, yeah. The bottom line was that uh, there was a question contractually whether or not Barca would be entitled to literally seven hundred million dollars if if Messi left early. And and by early, I'm. I'm serious. It's six months early. He's entitled to start negotiating with teams in January of next year, but he couldn't this past summer. So Messi understood that and sort of backed down on his talk about leaving Barcelona. Well, the talk didn't entirely go away. And in fact, when that whole confrontation between Messi and Barcelona was going on this past summer, certain other parties were paying attention to include Manchester City and its leadership. And just to quote another line from this ESPN article, quote, publicly, City played it cool during this whole time this past summer when Barcelona and Messi were were arguing over the $700 million escape clause. So again, Quote, publicly, City played it cool, but privately, sources told ESPN that Guardiola and the club's Abu Dhabi owners were prepared to do whatever it took to sign Messi. To review, Man City is the team that spent the better part of last winter and this spring fighting in uh, both against UEFA's uh, initial tribunal and investigation and at the Court of Arbitration for Sport because they got caught throwing too much money around at their all-world players like Sergio Aguero and Kevin De Bruyne and Raheem Sterling, etc. And there was a question as to whether or not they could do so consistent with the requirements of the financial fair play regulations. They squeaked by and, and you know, ended up paying a, a pittance of a penalty basically for not cooperating with the investigation. Um, but uh, speaking for myself, I won't suggest anybody else shares my dim view and extreme suspicion that Man City was in fact violating the rules and they just got away with it. I find it damn near offensive that they're still in the market for somebody like Messi 
in these uncertain times when nobody's making any money, look, maybe they got to rewrite the the financial fair play regulations to account for COVID. Yeah. But I'm looking at my team, who's a hundred million bucks in the hole, and I got to listen to Man City talking up that they're going to sign the greatest player to ever live. Give me a break. It, I find it frustrating. Yeah, I don't. I mean. Are they really trying this again? I I'd like the, I just can't couldn't believe that they would be doing that. It I, seems like it, and uh, I mean, look, I I frankly can't remember the last time I saw Aguero on the field. So I keep on mentioning him. I mean, he was touching shoulders with a lineswoman the last time I saw him on the field. <laughs> <laughs> so, getting in trouble on that one. Let's, so. let's not encourage that sort of behavior. But uh, <laughs> my point is that you know he is getting older, thirty three ish. Somewhere in that neighborhood, age-wise, uh, he's not playing 90 minutes a match. He wasn't playing 90 minutes a match before he laid hands on a female <laughs> official. Um, you know, the, the point being, uh, yeah, Man City does does need to have a pipeline of players uh, to replace guys like him. I suspect that their under 19 and under 23 teams are pretty damn loaded, though. Oh, absolutely. Given who they are. So, you know, let's not shed any tears over the fact that they're going to lose Aguero soon because, like every other athlete in recorded history, he's getting older. Um, you know, I just I, – if they get Messi, I'm just going to be so pissed. And Messi's about that age, too, quite frankly. I think Messi's uh, right. 34. I mean, but he's getting up there. Yeah, but he, his style of play, though – allows for you to be older i remember watching this thing that analyzed scientifically how messi goes about playing a match and like he, maximum energy conservation type totally of thing. Yeah. He, he runs the least of everybody on the field he, he he not only in terms of the angles he takes but also in terms of when he decides to actually shift into high gear you know, generally speaking, he's just sort of walking around, looking and calculating in his mind. Okay, the ball's there now; it's going to be over there. This guy's moving that way, so I'm going to walk over here and now run. And all of a sudden, he's open, has the ball, goal. Um, cue the cue the music from a beautiful mind. Yeah, kind of exactly. Thing. Yeah, so. Uh, so you know, he may not need. Or how do I put this? He he can probably get away with being old longer than other players can get away with being old given how he plays the game um you know that it's it's more brain than brawn so to speak uh so he would be a great signing there's no doubt about it uh and it would piss me off there's no doubt about that either so i'm a spurs fan i'm supposed to hate arsenal and i have grown to just despise man city because i feel like they're cheating all the time yeah everyone's in there with you so don't (laughs) don't worry about that uh, all right, one last thing before we take a break because I, I really uh, wanted to touch on this. Um, Manchester United did win their match this week. We'll talk in more detail about that uh, in a moment. I think that was their first win at Old Trafford this year, Yeah, if you can believe that. It, oddly, yeah. I mean, again, I mean, no fans in the stands, so home field advantage isn't what it's cracked up to be. But, yeah, that's that's true, and it was, it was crazy. Um, but... To that point, they, with this win, win, have finally cracked the top half of the table. They're ninth, uh, last I checked. So they did that by beating West Brom, one nothing, and the one goal 
was scored on a penalty kick by Bruno Fernandez that he had to take twice in order to make. Yep. He missed the first one, but the goalie jumped off the line early, so they gave Bruno another chance. These are the details you remember when Bruno Fernandez is your captain on your fantasy team. Mm -hmm. I won't repeat the swear words that erupted out of my mouth when he missed that penalty kick, but uh, point being, they squeaked by a crappy team like West Brom in order to, to eke into the top half of the table. My point is, Manchester United manager Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is on the hot seat. And, you know, just picture everything you think about London tabloids and their, you know, back page to draw the analogy to like the New York Post, the, you know, their sports section. Pick your your pun. Uh, they are they are crucifying him out there um, because this is this is the once proud Manchester United and they got to, you know, basically pull out all the stops and get a favorable call to beat a team like West Bromwich West Brom. Albion. They stink. I mean, they were one of the two teams that don't have a win yet this yeah. year. So, uh, so suffice to say, the only reason that Solskjaer is still there right now is because he was a, a wonderful player for Manchester United on those wonderful late 90s Manchester United teams. He was a goal scorer for them, a favorite son. But, you know, let me tell you. The well may be dry. I, I'm a Yankee fan, as I've mentioned before, and I've watched my team, you know, have Yogi Berra as their manager. Hall of Famer Yogi Berra, one of the, you know, arguably one of the top two or three catchers to ever play the game. And he wasn't cutting it as a manager, and he got fired. Bucky Dent was a manager of the Yankees. Bucky Dent hit one of the most important and famous home runs in Yankees history, October 3rd, 1978 at Fenway Park. Top of the seventh, three-run homer over the left field wall. Didn't he have like three home runs but all who's year paying or attention. something? Yeah, yeah he, he was the ninth hitter. He was always yeah. the ninth hitter. He choked up. He was a major league baseball player who choked up. And, you know, he hit a ball that you ask a Red Sox fan, none of them know how that ball possibly cleared the green monster but it did it's it's one of the most like i said one of the most famous yankee homers ever and that set the stage for them to win the al east they then went on to the uh, american league championship series where i'm pretty sure they defeated the royals because that's who they always met in the alcs back then and then they beat the dodgers in the world series that year yay and i'm sure you like that being a giants fan my point is bucky dent was a favorite son Bucky Dent got hired as manager, but he couldn't cut it, so he got fired. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is, if this keeps up, he's he's he ain't getting knighted along with uh, Sir Alice Ferg Alex Ferguson anytime nope. soon. If this keeps up, is my point. So, um, you know, I, I'm not a Manchester United fan, but I, I've been uncomfortable watching them struggle. Not uh, just because Bruno is on our team, but because like you're Manchester United. Have some self-respect. One nothing against West Brom? What the hell? But I mean, what's going on with them? Are they underperforming? Is anyone hurt? I'm not a fan, so I don't keep up with the team, but is it... Underperforming. No, that's just yeah. it. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, Martial might have had a, a, a knock uh, for a little while, but, you know, they haven't had any of these, you know, Certainly no Danny Ings out indefinitely kind of injuries, so they, they've just sucked. And it's weird because I feel like they may have had, I mean, I'm going to wave hands here, maybe they've scored 
12 goals. I feel like half of those have been Bruno Fernandez penalty, penalty kicks. kicks. So they're not setting up the plays no. at all. No, you know? they're not. So uh, get it together, Oli. Okay, we're going to uh, we're going to go ahead and take a break so that we can give you the uh, the scores from this match week and we'll give you the schedule for this upcoming week and then we'll talk about the games in some greater detail and also we'll talk about our fantasy team in some greater detail because the Wolves Southampton match just went final one goal apiece so we'll see what effect that has on things we will be right back here are your scores from match week nine in the English Premier League the week started Saturday with Chelsea blanking Newcastle 2-0. Brighton defeated Aston Villa 2-1. Spurs took out Manchester City 2-0. And Manchester United squeaked by West Brom 1-0 in a match they should have won handily. On Sunday, Everton beat Fulham 3-2. West Ham handed Sheffield another loss, this time one goal to none. Arsenal and Leeds played to a scoreless draw. And Liverpool dominated Leicester City three goals to zip. The week concluded on Monday as Burnley blanked Crystal Palace 1-0 and Wolves played Southampton to a draw, one goal apiece. Match Week 10 begins Friday when Crystal Palace hosts Newcastle. The Saturday slate starts with Liverpool heading to the beach to take on Brighton. Man City hosts Burnley, Leeds visits Everton, and Sheffield travels to West Brom. On Sunday, Manchester United takes on Southampton at St. Mary's. Chelsea hosts Spurs for a London derby at Stamford Bridge and Wolves head to North London to take on the Gunners. The week concludes on Monday as Leicester City hosts Fulham and Aston Villa visits West Ham. That's what's happening in the EPL. Now back to the show. And we're back. So, Jared, you wanted to start things off talking about a, uh, a note on the Newcastle-Chelsea match, right? Right. I, you were you were correct. This is sort of a, a nothing game. But I did want to mention that another clean sheet for Chelsea's Edward Mendy. Uh, he's allowed one goal in his last seven league and non-league matches for uh, Chelsea. So just unbelievable play. Uh, this is it's pretty good. This is a pretty big uh, change from the whole Kepa Rizabalaga uh, fiasco. Uh, and they, they spent some big money on Mendy, didn't they? They did. I mean, his salary is sure high enough on on the fantasy uh, app. I'm. I want to say there was a, a a big transfer number when they acquired him. Uh, yeah. I I don't know what that is, but right. whatever it was, it was probably worth it. Yeah. Because, sounds uh, like it. They look like they really shored up their uh, their goalie on that one. Yeah. Um, awesome. Next, we're going to talk about Spurs hosting Man City. Um, Mike, and I'm just sh- to before we move on, I'm sorry. Uh, <clears throat> and as a lead in to talking about Spurs. Um, you brought this to my attention earlier. Uh, I certainly can't take credit because I don't remember it at all from last season, but you had pointed out that the uh, Spurs hosting Chelsea match from last year uh, apparently got damn near to fisticuffs with some of the aggressive challenges they were executing on each other and just a lot of bad blood coming to the surface. Fight. And as you just heard, we have coming this week uh, another matchup between those two squads, so things could get interesting. Yeah, there there was actually some rumblings that this could get really, really bad from a fixture standpoint, just really dirty. And um, I looked into this a little bit because this was before my fandom as well. Uh, and there's actually an entry in Wikipedia 
about how bad it was. Oh wow! Um, is there a name for the game? Like, what is it the the assault at the? the yeah, battle battle the, on the bridge or battle of the bridge, something like that. Oh, the, well, it. wait a minute. So that's that's Stamford Bridge. So is it at Chelsea? Uh, it's at Chelsea this it, uh, this that week. other match was it the, was at Chelsea? No, the last match was the Chelsea's first game at the new Tottenham Stadium. Okay, so, so um, they're calling this one the yeah, battle of the, the battle bridge? of the bridge. So. <laughs> okay. We're gonna see what happens, but here, here was the anticipation. The Wikipedia entry on this was on uh, on the December twenty second, two thousand nineteen. Chelsea played their first match at Tottenham's uh, new stadium. The match, which Chelsea won two nil, uh, two goals by Willian, uh, received wide media coverage due to alleged racist behavior by Tottenham fans aimed at Chelsea's defender Antonio Rudiger. Uh, that I remember. Uh, okay. So this I, is coming back to me now because I remember now I yeah and I remember being like offended on behalf of fellow Spurs fans that the damn hooligans had, had right crossed the line like that that's that's coming back to me now um, a Chelsea supporter was also arrested for alleged racist abuse against Spurs player Son Hoi Min who was sent off for kicking Rudiger after he fouled Son. Uh, it led to a call for government action and racism in football. However, no evidence of racist abuse against Rudiger was found after a police investigation. Now, I watched the highlights of this thing. That did not do it justice. There were uh, flying challenges, flying kicks midair. I mean, people being, you know, studded in the midsection left and right. Ouch. I mean, this was violent. Um, so this could be uh, this could be a good one. I, I hope it's not on Peacock, let me just say. Oh, God. I hadn't even thought of that. So, um, anyways, uh, last week, though, Spurs hosting Man City. So, I would like to mention that the Spurs, uh, they were actually dominated pretty much the entire game. They only had two shots on goal, but they won. There's there's only one stat that matters. 2-0. Um, so, they had a very efficient play there. Um, Sohn gets one early on the stereotypical Sohn pass break play. Uh, they add another one late, um, and as we mentioned, Spurs have sole possession of first yeah. goal differential over Liverpool. Lacelso gets the second goal like a minute after um, um, Mourinho subs him in. Lacelso didn't start. Oh, he comes yeah. in in like the 75th minute and scores in the 76th. Nobody was as surprised as I was to see it happen. I pretty much expected Man City to to come back to their form, uh, and, and they did as you as you noted from the perspective of the, the secondary stats, if we want to call right. them that, yeah. um, they, they owned the ball. They owned the, the passing stats. It's just at the end of the day, you know, Hugo Uris had a good game and I don't say that very often, <laughs> but he did. Yep. Um, you know, the, um, uh, the, the surprising thing to me is that Spurs, you know, because they're, they've done things like shut out, Man City, um, that's why they have this goal differential lead over Liverpool. You know, between that and, you know, I keep bringing it up because it's, it's the equivalent in my mind of that early season tie that the NFL team gets. And then 16 weeks later, that team. It's the define, deciding factor. That's why yeah. they win their division. Yeah. Like that, that week one or that match week one leads Liverpool four to three shootout like you're you're 
you're giving up that many goals to a recently promoted team, Liverpool. It, you know, yeah, you scored four, good for you, but you let three into the your own net. So, yeah. um, you know, that's that's how you end up with uh, uh, Spurs actually having goal differential advantage, and the fact that that Sone and Kane are playing out of their minds still uh, has something to do with it as well. Well, there. I, our fantasy opponent actually had what you're calling Team Tottenham, which I yeah. think is a funny name for them. But when you can keep them to 14 points total, I think you've cheated death, which is what we this did. This year, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, so Spurs, uh, that's four in a row for them. They have not lost since opening week. Yeah, stop so, jinxing. Yeah, they are looking pretty pretty sharp. Um, I did want to mention quickly Sheffield hosting West Ham. The only reason is is because uh, Sheffield – Lo- stinks. Yeah, they stink, but they lost. Their one point in nine matches is tied for the worst start ever in EPL history. So I'm a big record buff. I love history. I love it when records are broken, even if they're bad records. So <laughs> I'm really that pushing for this one. a bad record yeah. for sure. Um, they're on pace for four points. Good God. Yeah. So Damn, you're right. I hadn't thought yeah. about it in those t- <laughs> It's really awful. <laughs> Look Look out, Norwich. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> or Derby County. I mean, they're yeah. the ones. So, um, we also had Liverpool hosting Leicester. Um, Liverpool takes this one 3-0. And as you pointed out to me um, earlier, they're just getting contributions from everyone, even though they don't have their core starters as you know them. Yeah. Um, Between injuries and COVID. Yeah. Um, there was a Leicester own goal to start things off, and then um, – Diogo Jota. Jota? <laughs> yeah, they okay. actually do pronounce the J. Okay. Uh, puts in a, a header uh, for the 2-0 Liverpool lead. Uh, that's He's the first Liverpool player to score in his first four home games. Yeah, so. yeah he's good. Uh, Firmino also gets one in, and 3 nils the final. And uh, that was a good news story for Firmino because he had – and what was funny, the announcers were talking about this fact moments before he scored, that, you know, he's a striker, he's a number nine, but uh, – he hasn't scored much lately, but that he's okay with that. He's one of these selfless strikers who's just as happy to set up Salah or to set up Mane um, because obviously better for the team if somebody scores, and who cares if it's me versus somebody else, as opposed to the name they mentioned was Harry Kane. Yeah, They didn't mean it as an insult, but it sounds like one, that he's a more selfish striker. The name that came to my mind was Jamie Vardy. You know, he, to me, seems to be the one who, if the ball is on his foot in the box, he's going to be the one shooting. Mm-hmm. He's not, you know, dishing it off to Suyunchu or somebody. Like, he'll, he's going to be shooting it himself. Um, and then, like I said, moments after they're making this point, Firmino gets his, like, second goal of the year or something, first one at home, something, yeah. something like that. So, So good for him. But, again... Liverpool's doing this with no Salah, with no Henderson, with uh, no Trent Alexander-Arnold, um, and they were missing somebody else. Virgil. Yeah, Van Dyke. So yeah. um, it's it's not <laughs> it's, it's not your older brother's Liverpool, but nope. they're they're having uh, the sort of success that gets you. In second place behind Tottenham Hotspur. That's right. And I did see this stat, and I wasn't sure what it was. They said this was a Liverpool club record, 64 league matches at Anfield without a defeat now. 
That's right. Now, is that just for Liverpool? Because I think a lot of people would have trouble matching that. Say that question again? What do you mean? Is that just for Liverpool's own record or oh, oh, all oh. teams? Because I, I, I... Oh, that's a that's a good question. Um, just sort of running numbers in my head right now. I mean, if you take that Arsenal 03-04 team, I mean, they didn't lose all year, but that's only going to account for... What, what I guess nineteen matches, um, yeah, or nineteen home matches. All right, so um, I may need to look I, into that. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't pay enough attention to it. Now it's entirely possible that it's a record they already owned, <laughs> and they just extended it <laughs> exactly. Right, yeah. Um. Okay, so now we're going to talk about two matches that had some fantasy implications for our team and uh, Leeds hosting Arsenal. So. This game uh, game made me irrationally angry. I don't know about you, Mike, but yeah, I wasn't throwing things, but it it did not play out the way that I would have have justifiably expected. And just to sort of set the stage for everybody, um, we were at a point in the in the weekend where we had had maybe half of our players already at the cl- in the clubhouse. Not a great performance but you know Bruno was our captain he did score that penalty kick so he had ended up with a good score we had a defender who was on uh, it was um, um, Reese James from Chelsea and as Jared noted Chelsea shut out Newcastle so that was six points which is good for a defender um, so we had a couple of good performances Tariq Lamptey had a minus one thanks to a red card which we you know, we'll probably talk about later but the uh, point is, about half of our guys were in the clubhouse. Our opponent had a bunch of guys in the clubhouse, and the guys he had left mostly were guys that we also have on our team. So if if those players were to perform well, they're performing well for both of us, so it's a wash. The one exception to that, as far as co-owned players, is we both had um, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but our opponent had him captain. So that yep. meant that it was as if he had two Calvert-Lewins and we only had one, which matters when Calvert-Lewin scores two goals. Um, anyway, the point I'm getting at is we had two players that were just ours that our opponent didn't have that were still Differentiators, to play. what we call them. You know, Differentiators, yeah. good. And they were Patrick Bamford and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Two, you know... Aubameyang's not having a great year, but Bamford is a scoring beast, and Aubameyang was due. So I looked at this, and, and he was playing a, a crappy defense in Leeds, you know, a team that's always pressing forward, which means that their opponents often score, you know, four goals like Liverpool did. We're not expecting a nil-nil draw is what Not you're in the yeah. least. So carry on. Well, it was nil-nil to start the second half um, when there was an away-from-ball incident um alioski uh for leeds is on the ground sort of holding his forehead and it took took them a little bit to figure out what had happened um they had to review a couple of views and one of the reviews clearly showed arsenal player pepe with a headbutt to alioski's forehead now it wasn't all that hard or violent but still you can't do that pepe picks up the red card and arsenal plays with a man down for almost half the game now, did you see the 2006 World Cup final? There's a very famous headbutt in that one, if you didn't. 
No, I was going to, if we were going to do headbutt analogies, I was going to do John Stark's headbutting Reggie Miller in the oh, 90, that'd be good, 95 yeah. uh, Eastern Conference semis, I think. Um, anyways, in, in the 96 World Cup final, this is France and Italy. It's tied 1-1 in the 110th 06. minute. 06, yeah, okay. 06. Um, and Zindine Zidane, great name for France, uh, headbutts Marco Matarazzi in the in the chest pretty hard. I mean, he left his feet. Uh, Zidane's... He headbutt him in the chest? Yep. Yep, center mass, chest. I'm not sure who comes out the worst for wear <laughs> on that. I mean, heck. Anyway, right. Um, so anyways, uh, Zidane sent off, Italy wins the game, and uh, I think it came out that uh, Matarossi had made a comment about Zidane's sister, and that's what it uh, preempted it. Ah, but, yeah. that'll do it. I, you know, I think I heard about this. Yeah. I didn't see it. It was but. famous, famous, famous. Um, but anyways, uh, back to Leeds Arsenal. Leeds now has about 45 minutes uh, playing with a man up uh, to score goals, so Patrick Bamford, go nuts. Um I think they had a ton of opportunities. They hit the woodwork several times, but in aggravating fashion, this one ends in a nil-nil draw. And I, I would love to to go back in the wayback machine and look at those those websites that that do like, you know, they're they're gambling websites, but sort of figure out the the expectation, the likelihood of various results. You know, what's the percentage that a two-one match is going to happen? A three-nil match is going to happen? And to see what the expectation would have been for nil-nil, not even taking into account the red card. Right. You know, those two teams should not be ending nil-nil. So that was, yes, very frustrating um, from a fantasy perspective in particular, but also just from a, you know, you would have expected there to be more action as a viewer. You know, I've been the biggest fan of Leeds. I've been promoting them. They're really letting me down, though. I mean, if you can't get it done in, under those circumstances, come on, you know. Yeah, they. We have reached the point where they they had some early losses that were sort of, um, you know, the kinds that the match was fun to watch, and you know, hey, only losing by one goal to defending champions Liverpool in in match week one, um, you know, that's a you know sort of moral victory if a loss on the scoreboard, but. Uh, yeah, they just been losing lately, or yeah. not winning when they should be, uh, like this weekend. So, yeah, they gotta they gotta turn it around. And, and if anybody's the the man to get them to turn around, it is Bielsa, the manager. But um, you know, time's a wasting. We're about a quarter of the way through the season. Yep. Um, and I think the last game we'll talk about fantasy-wise was Villa hosting Brighton. So a lot, lot of fantasy implications here, uh, including a sequence towards the end of the game that really could not have gone worse for the uh, us. If, if yeah, the hands-off-those-balls fantasy team yeah. had a rough five-minute stretch towards the end of this. Um, Danny Welbeck gets it started for Brighton with his first goal with his new club. Sort of a fast-break, well-timed chip over the keeper. Uh, Konza equalizes for uh, equalizes for Villa right to start the second half off a free kick, and then March uh, puts Brighton back on top moments later for the two one lead. Now, just to to set the stage here, we had both. Uh, is it Matt Ryan? Yeah. Uh, well, I actually don't know the yeah, first name. I sort of feel like it is because I found myself saying that sounds like oh, a quarterback. Well, it is a quarterback. Oh, okay. it's, the, it's the Atlanta <laughs> Falcons quarterback. It, I could be wrong, but I thought that's what I remember his first name being. Regardless, Ryan. The, the keeper for Brighton, and we have Tariq Lamptey, who, although he plays like a winger, 
he is a defender, or at least as far as our fantasy app is concerned, he's a defender for Brighton. So, you know, keeping Aston Villa scoreless would have been nice. Um, but like Jared just said, Villa gets a goal early in the second half. Unfortunately, not by hands off those balls fantasy team favorite Jack Grealish. Grealish, yeah. Um, but hey, plenty of game to go for either Grealish to do something now that the clean sheet possibility is lost for our keeper and our defender. Um, or maybe Lamptey will do something neat because he's an exciting player. Uh, go on. 87th minute. Uh, starts about a five-minute sequence that was just devastating. Um, so I, I had mentioned that I was very impreist, uh, impressed with Lamptey's play. Um, as that did point. the announcers. Yeah, as did the announcers. Um, you know, he's, he's fast, he's streaky, he plays forward for a defender, sets things up, all that good stuff. Well, Lamptey gets a yellow card for a midfield challenge. You know, I'm thinking, well, it's late in the game. Who cares, right? You know, no, no big deal. Not three minutes I'm later. Take him out. Well, yeah. <laughs> Not three minutes later in stoppage time, uh, Lamptey again has a questionable challenge, this time against our boy Grealish. Um, he picks up his second yellow card and is sent off with the red card. So he's got some negative points for us. He finishes the day. Um... Then in the 92nd minute, an obvious foul, in my opinion, in the box uh, by March of Brighton is called, but VAR overturns the call. And I have no idea why. I I I, never could have figured out why. It could not have been a clear foul. And, of course, the the fantasy reason this is important is because, in all likelihood, Grealish Grealish would have taken taken the, the penalty. And, you know, assuming he didn't screw it up. That would have been fantasy points for us to at least make us feel a little bit better about the Lamptey red card. It was just a, a you know. I mean, that was a 10-point swing. You know, if Lamptey yeah. hadn't been sent off and we get the, the penalty kick from Grealish, yeah. 10 points. Um, so just a horrible five minutes for us. Uh, 2-1 Brighton takes this one. Villa's lost three of four uh, after storming the gate. Yeah. Out of, out of the gate. So They do still have one more match to play. They do. For, you know, they... Manchester United, Manchester City, and Burnley, Burnley. Yeah. are the four teams that didn't play in, in match week one with everybody else. So uh, th- I keep hearing the expression, they have a, so-and-so has a game in hand. I, I can't quite interpret that expression. Are they saying that the 16 other teams have a game in hand or that those four teams have a game in hand? I, I don't know what. I don't either, but if I guess, I would say it was the latter. That the four teams do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They have a I mean, game in hand to, to be, win or lose. Like that's they the control, advantage. Yeah. They the, control like that. Controlling your destiny. Yeah. So, yeah. It. it we were actually at the uh, at the break doing some back of the napkin math, trying to figure out because we know that you all are just dying to hear whether or not this fantasy team of ours actually pulled off a win. We think we did. Yeah. We, there, we might not know. There are certain <laughs> points that get. Um, allocated as bonus points hours after a match is completed because it's this long drawn out formula that no one but the bots who manage the the premier league fantasy app understand um i I make the analogy to war wins above replacement in baseball um so what's that actually called ev or something i i I don't know okay ev to me sounds like expectation value in a you know, 
Oh, maybe the poker scenario, but oh, you know that's what I could be thinking. You'd you'd mentioned EV to me before. Oh, okay, I, I thought you were talking about this. So never mind. So we think our opponent's going to get a bonus point allocated for one of the Burnley defenders. We think we're going to have somebody on our bench move up as a starter because we we did a lot of of changing of our team in the last week, and so we now have uh, or we had, and then took him off. We had Mohamed Salah and took him off when we saw that he came down with COVID. Our opponent had Mohamed Salah and didn't take him off his starting lineup. But because of the way the game works, if you start someone who never plays, then one of your subs can come in off the bench and take that person's spot. So there was a lot of subbing going on this week because of injuries and because of COVID and whatnot, both for us and for our defenders. So we're not 100% sure who's playing, not 100% sure about the bonus points. I think we won by either one or two points. So, yet another close win. All of our matches, it seems, are close. We had a tie. There's another like one or two point win here. I'm still waiting for that one where we just blow them out. So am you I. Know, just it's been a long wait for one of those. But uh, all right. Well, I think with that, we will wrap things up. So, very exciting week coming off of the international break. We're we're entering that time of the season where things. Uh, start moving real fast where you've got like two Premier League matches per week for each team, you know, particularly as we get closer to the holidays. So that'll be fun. Um, and with that, we will wrap things up. Uh, wish everybody all the best this upcoming Thanksgiving week. Also uh, wish that everybody stay safe uh, I know it may be difficult this time of year. It, uh, you want to have the, the traditional 20 people over to your house for Thanksgiving. Please think carefully about that and make sure that you and those you love are able to remain safe if you cho do choose to get together. And if you don't, hey, there are other ways that you can connect uh, in this, this technological age in which we live. So wish you all the best. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Have a great rest of the week. And we will talk at you next week after we get another batch of games. Take care, everybody.